On this episode of Stories Behind the Grind, listen to my conversation with David Wood, founder of Play For Real. We talk about what a tough conversation actually is, why we avoid having them, and how to set one up to maximize the benefits and minimize the risks. My name is Aidan Vokolo, and here you will find business strategies, tips, and tactics that you can incorporate not only in your own venture, but your life, to help you simplify and strategically grow, scaling up the impact you're having in this world. Listen as I talk to creators, innovators, and game changers on what it takes to build an impactful business, uncovering their insights, strategies, and tips to help you increase profitability and develop a thriving team culture. Welcome to the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. David, thanks so much for coming on the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. It's great to have you on. Thanks, Wade. I'm glad to be here. Excited to see what we're gonna what we're gonna say. For sure. David, you've actually consulted to Fortune 100 companies, including Sony Music and Chanel, and you've built the world's largest coaching business, serving an audience over 150,000 coaches. Tell me, what drew you to coaching and consulting? Well, I did a personal growth course, and I was very skeptical because they all wore name tags and they smiled way too much. And I thought, I'm going to get in and get out. But when I was in there, I learned a lot about how I was operating and about life, and I started to feel more passionate and see possibility where I hadn't seen possibility. And during the second program, because I went back for more, I started coaching people. They'd get stuck or they couldn't see something or they didn't understand what the teacher said. And I'd translate it. And I'd say, well, have you tried this? And I actually changed one woman's life with one conversation, changed her entire marriage, helping her tap into her courage and confess something. She, She had a very tough conversation with her partner and confessed that 10 years ago she had an affair and she apologized for holding over his head his affair that he had and controlling him for 10 years and not fessing up that she'd actually done the same thing. So I helped her find the courage to go and have that conversation and transformed her marriage to one of love. And I was hooked. Like, I want more of this, but I wasn't sure how to do it until I met a guy. And this is, this is back in 1997. And I met a guy who had met a guy who had a business card saying that he was a coach. And I thought, you could get paid for this? So that was the beginning of my exploration into what would it take for me to train up and get a coach and learn the business. And here we are. What have been some of your biggest insights on that journey? From a life context, what challenges or beliefs did you overcome during the early years? Wow. Well, I think when I was about 18, one night I stopped sleeping and started to go into anxiety during every night. And then it started to flow over to the days and I was almost shaking. And that was my first experience with anxiety. And that was terrifying. And I got through that, but it happened some other times in my life, even even worse. And then I discovered the other side of anxiety, which can be equally unpleasant, which is depression. And unfortunately, they, they seem to go well together or they happen together. They don't go well together. And uh, had some really dark periods where I didn't know if I was going to come out. And so I've had some really big insights through that experience. One of them was I learned to ask for help. I was very independent as a kid, and I grew up not wanting to really be vulnerable to other people. And I didn't know how to ask a friend, can you come over and sleep in my apartment because I don't want to be alone? That was really hard for me, but I I had to learn it because I I really needed help. And another thing I learned is uh, I, I used to have a real judgment about medication and I actually judged people who had depression and anxiety. I'm like, you're just not 
taking care of yourself. You're not doing the work. You need to just do therapy. You need to follow the spiritual path. You need to eat better. You need to do yoga. You need to exercise. You're just, you're just weak and you're not taking care of yourself. So I learned some humility. I learned that some of the strongest people on this planet are the ones that I've been judging. They've got issues with alcohol or substances or they're just struggling in some way. And yet they're still surviving and sometimes even thriving. Those are two of my insights. The other one was around medication. I just had this fear of medication and thought that it was evil and that I had to suffer through whatever I was experiencing. And with the spiritual thought was, I'll just pop out the other side. I'll just, I'll just pop and I'll have this great insight and learning. Well, I discovered there are limits. There really are. I found my limits. And I had a doctor begging me to take medication. I'm like, no, that's wrong or whatever. And I don't believe that anymore. I'm now willing to use whatever's going to help me have a better life. And I still think it's important to keep questing and, and follow natural methods where, where we can. But now if medication is going to have my life be better, I got no issue in taking it. Yeah, so it's a more balanced approach. There's some really big lessons to learn over time. Yeah. You talked earlier about having telling someone or one of your first coaching clients, I guess, before you knew coaching was a thing, about having a tough conversation. What exactly is a tough conversation and, and how can we have them? The tough conversation is the one you don't want to have. The tough conversation is one where you might feel vulnerable. You don't know how to control it. You're worried about the other person's reaction. So for, you know, her case is classic. She's done something and she's got a confession to make. And her fear is that she's going to lose her husband. That's a tough conversation. In a corporate sense, say with a business and a team, tough conversation could be you feel like your manager's overly critical and you'd like your manager to be more supportive and maybe uh, more encouraging. That might be a tough conversation because you're not sure how to have it and you're worried about the reaction, but there's usually profit in it. So there's some short-term pain or there's some risk, but there's usually something good to be gained. So for example, with the workshop participant who risked losing her marriage, the profit was she got to get something off her chest and she had the hope of being more related and more in love with her partner. So she was willing to risk the marriage to have a marriage. And with your boss, let's suppose, suppose you want to tell your boss that you'd like her to communicate better with you and maybe encourage you or tell you a couple of things you did well in the report before telling you the things you should change. Let's say that's what you want to do. The risk is your boss might think that you're too much in too much trouble and fire you, or boss might get defensive, might be awkward, but you want to start looking at what would be the profit in it? What could come out of it? Well, my boss might actually change her communication and I might feel more encouraged and I might start really enjoying my job and love going to work. So I think I've started to answer your second question. Your first question is what is a tough conversation? And, and maybe we could get into why we, why we avoid them, but how do you have them? I actually have a four step process, which anyone can download on the website. And there's a worksheet so you can prepare for it and work out what you want to say. You can work out if there's a request you can make that can be really powerful. So you're not just complaining about something or venting. You've actually got a request that can make a difference. You'll work out what you hope can come out of it and you'll work out any fear that you have. And then you follow the four steps and go and go and have the conversation. 
that's the short answer to how to have it. I like how you've got a, a structured step to it. And, and the last step is just, just to do it and, and go for it and go forth and whatever happens, happens and see how it turns yeah. out. And I do guide people through it. Like there's the preparation worksheet and then there's here are the four steps to actually having it. So you don't have to, you don't have to wonder. You can, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you quickly what they are. The first step is to get permission. You don't just dump it on someone. You kind of enroll them in having the conversation. And there are a couple of suggestions on how to have that. And then you share one hope, one fear. This is what I, I hope might come out of this conversation. And this is a concern or something I'm worried that might happen. Like you might get upset or defensive or whatever. And uh, then you share what it is, make a request if you have one. And the last step is to thank them and get curious. You thank them for hearing you out because not everyone would hear you out. And then you get curious about how did it land for them? Does that sound like a good idea? Do you have a better idea? What's it like to hear that? They might have their own reaction and you want to get curious and hear it. So that's the four-step blueprint to having a tough conversation. Thank you. What's the, I guess, strategy or, or psychology behind that last step about getting curious? Well, I, you know, I coached somebody on having a tough conversation and she realized, oh my God, I haven't been having tough conversations in my life. I've been having tough monologues. She'll just share her side of it. She'll dump the bomb and run. And so when, when I coached her through the process of having a tough conversation, she realized, oh, wait, I could get relational and I could find out what's happening on their side. You know, who knows how they're going to react? They might feel guilty about something and you're giving them a chance to share it and just kind of release the charge on it. They might admire you for coming forward and that'd be good to know. They might disagree with what you've got. And I'd rather know now if they disagree, like, tell me about it. Tell me your world. Maybe we can get on the same page or maybe we'll just agree to disagree. But you're being relational. And that actually, I think, can make the whole tough conversation less scary. When you go in like, hey, I want to share what I've got. And then I really want to hear what you've got to say. That's uncommon. That's uncommon. Now you're being relational and you it's more of a partnership. Let's both share our side of it and work out what's next. Yeah, it becomes more of a dialogue between two people as opposed to, like you said, someone just dropping the bomb, running away and, and hiding almost. Right. I, I'm glad you said that because I just worked out that getting curious makes it a conversation instead of a monologue. Mm-hmm. It's a two-way street. And I guess you, you benefit both people in the end as well because when you're courageous and can have a tough conversation, you open the door for other people to, to step in and, and, you know, share. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, one of the reasons we avoid tough conversations is because of whatever it is we're afraid of, you know, some kind of fear of loss. But I just I get sad at the idea of humans walking around hiding things from each other because they're worried about what's going to happen. I would rather it come out, kind of rip off the Band-Aid. It's a bit of short-term awkwardness or pain sometimes for long-term gain. Let's find out where we're at. If it turns out I shouldn't be working in this company, let's work. Let's find that out and talk about it and work out a transition plan. Maybe I'll leave over the next three months. Rather than being afraid of it, I'd much rather rip off the Band-Aid and, and let's get to what wants to happen. Now that we're related and we, we both have the information, what's the best course of action? And we can work that out together 
versus this guessing, which is just horrible. You watch a sitcom, any sitcom, and the way they create drama is just keep secrets and guess. Don't tell the other person what's really going on until maybe the end when they want a tearjerker moment and we feel good, whatever. Yeah, it's definitely that suspense that can make it feel even harder than actually having the the conversation itself. It's that ongoing pain that comes along with it all. Yep. Sometimes the tough conversation is the one you have with yourself in the days and weeks leading up to the actual conversation. Yeah, exactly. I've had a few tough conversations in the past and, you know, it, it plays on your mind over and over again. And then you have the conversation and I've found that one, it doesn't go as bad as you, you think it does or will go. You're playing out the worst case scenario in, in your head before you have the conversation. So chances of that happening are, are minimal. Yeah. Um, and two, I guess peace and clarity at the end of it, even if nothing changes. Yes, peace and clarity. And one thing I've discovered is that the joy of self-expression. See, when I don't speak up, I feel worse about myself. I feel smaller and, and I have less peace. But when I've spoken up, I feel proud of myself that I've at least taken a shot. Maybe they didn't agree with me and maybe I didn't get what I want, but I asked for it and I want that for everybody. I guess early on and haven't had many tough conversations or can't find a time when they've had one and they don't or can't seem to believe that there is a reward or could be a reward at the end of it of having a tough conversation or a benefit for them. What advice would you give for them? Because obviously the more conversations, what I found anyway, the more tough conversations you have, it does become a little bit easier because you know that there is that payoff, however small. But for those that don't have that mental connection between the two, what would your advice be? Yeah. Well, firstly, one of the big issues we need to address is tough conversations don't usually present themselves that way. So we're not, most people aren't walking around going, uh, what's on the agenda today? All right. I got to have six tough conversations. We're not thinking that way. What we see are problems. So you're probably not aware of the tough conversations waiting for you. I had, this is ironic because I, I teach this stuff, but last week I had my, one of my employees quit and I asked her if we could talk about it. She agreed. So we talked about it and it turned out there were a bunch of things that weren't working for her and it never occurred to her to have a conversation. So if you're not used to this, and even if you are, like like I'm used to it, I've done so many tough conversations, I still often don't see them. I just see a problem. Oh, I don't feel good with that person or I don't like how they speak to me or I'll just go and complain to someone about about some issue. That's the clue. So the first thing is, And this is a great exercise that anyone can do at any level. Grab a piece of paper and a pen and write down a list of anyone in your life that you don't feel great with. Could be a family member. You can even scan through the major people in your life and just think, is there anything that feels a little bit off or doesn't feel great about our, about our history and write down what the issue is in the next column. And this could be a little tricky if you don't have a lot of experience, but you can at least try what might that conversation look like? Then you don't have to go and have the conversation. In the next step, I'll tell you something that'll make it a lot easier, but at least start to think about what those could look like. Oh, I could tell my dad that I've been resenting something for 20 years and uh, and I'd like to let it go. All right. I could tell so-and-so maybe that I don't like the way they do that and I'd like them to change it. Or I'd like to tell my partner that really bugs me when she's late and make a request. Like you start to turn them. Now then, how do you have them if you haven't had a lot of experience? 
I say download the worksheet. It's all in one file. You got the worksheet and then the four-step blueprint. Download that, fill it in. It will help you prepare for the tough conversation and then just follow the four steps. You can even have them written down on a card in front of you. And you can say, I wrote this down because this is hard for me. And then go and take a risk. Now, I probably should give a caveat. I forget this a lot of times, but you only do the tough conversation if you are willing to risk the outcome. If you committed a crime and having this, you know, sharing a confession could send you to jail, then don't do the conversation unless you talk to a lawyer and you're willing to risk the consequences. If you're going to share something with your partner that could have your partner leave you, don't have the conversation unless you're willing to risk that consequence. Now, in my life, I believe that the benefit outweighs the cost in almost, not every, but 99% of the conversations. So I'm willing to risk losing my partner, particularly, that's a really good example, because if what I'm going to share is going to have my partner leave, then she deserves to have that information and she deserves to have the respect to, to be able to make that choice. So that's a particular example. So it's, it's making it others focus as well, not, not hoarding all the information and going, well, this is a collaborative approach. This is a relationship between two people or in a, in a business context. So it's a relationship between two business partners. And if I'm holding something back, then I'm preventing them from knowing and avoiding the problem isn't going to solve it. Yep. Yep. I'll give you an example of one that didn't go well, hmm. because sometimes it can be a train wreck. Right? That's, that's the risk. We're rolling the dice here. There was someone who uh, I invited a group of people to my party because they all belonged to the same course and, and it was my birthday. And I realized there was one person in the group that I felt uncomfortable with. I had issues about certain behaviors and I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to feel good with her at the party. So I was like, what do I do? You know, do I uninvite one person? That's going to be awkward. That's not going to go well. So I decided to have a tough conversation and, and share the issue that I had that I felt uncomfortable about. Now, my hope was that she might go, that's really good feedback. And I'm glad to know that. All right, I'm going to try and tone that down. I'm going to try not to do that, particularly at your party. It's your party. That was my hope. My fear was that she'd take it personal and get offended and get in a huff like that. Even worse, come to the party in a huff. Now, she didn't seem to embrace the feedback the way I'd hoped. And, um, you know, there was some impact and I said, I'd be open to a call to hear impact of how this landed. And she decided not to do that. I, it just felt like a real awkward conversation, one I wish I could have avoided. But the alternative of having someone come to my party where I didn't feel comfortable fell out of integrity. So even this train wreck, I say, was a positive outcome. She chose, she was still invited and she chose not to come. I didn't have to uninvite somebody. And we don't relate. We haven't related since then. And I'm okay with that. I think that's appropriate. That's actually an appropriate outcome. Now in a team, let's say you've got a coworker, you might be worried that if you share that you've got a request, like, hey, you've got BO, can you shower? Or can you keep it down and, and not, you know, not speak so loudly around the office? I'm having trouble concentrating. Like that's an awkward conversation. Hey, there's a chance that they may not take it well and they may um, have feelings about it. Well, then you got a chance to talk about those. You might switch into listening mode. Get curious. What's that like to hear that? Yeah, I might be offended too if someone said that. All right, well, what can we do now? You work it out together. 
I think the chances, the hope that I would have is you get to be more related, you work through it, and you're not tiptoeing around each other. Let's not do that as humans. Sounds like a horrible idea. Yeah, I've, I've definitely worked in, um, in, in work environments where it's very highly politicized and everyone's sort of really, really careful on who to talk to, who to have conversations with. It really, overall, it, it does drop the productivity of the whole team down because everyone's worried about what other people will think of them. Yep, yep. I, I've got clients who say that the company says it's an open culture and they want, they want people to speak up. But when it comes down to it, speaking up against the boss's idea is not welcome. And, and I had one client was worried that he would lose his job if he went to his boss's boss and said, I think this strategy is really going to hurt the company. So the lesson from this is if you're a manager listening to this, even if you manage a team of one, your job is to make it as safe as possible for people to give you feedback so they don't have to listen to podcasts like this and try and screw up their courage. I just was coaching a VP at a media company. I said, what if, what if you check in at every meeting, ask people, what's one thing I can do to support you better? And is there one thing I could do less of? You know, one, is there one thing I'm doing that's getting in the way? You could ask that at every meeting to create a space. And then, of course, you need to really listen and take the feedback and not defend in the slightest or that no one's going to tell you a second time. So managers can create the space and then that'll get you halfway because some people are still not going to speak up. We weren't trained to speak up and we, a lot of us don't know and a lot of us don't have these worksheets. So the other thing is a service that I'm really excited about that I, I launched recently, which is just-in-time coaching for teams where anyone on the team, when there's an issue that's going on, it could either be a conversation they want to have or a problem they have. They don't even see what the conversation is. They book a session with the coach as soon as the same day and they get to role-play this issue with a confidential third party, total safety, and then they can go and have the conversation now armed with the skills to have it. I believe that this can transform cultures and through that transform the world. On transforming the world, what's your grand vision for helping teams and businesses thrive through tough conversations? I love the question and, and it's just that. It's what I just said. My grand vision is actually companies, every company in the world, every team in the world having access to third-party confidential just-in-time coaching. So they don't have to walk around. Apparently, 70% of employees are avoiding a tough conversation with someone at work. And the cost of that is the employees themselves have estimated that the cost of that is $7,500 per conversation. So I want everybody to have access to, to a team coach that they can trust and they role play it and then off they go. And what we have is more talking, less resentment and less quitting. So I think I heard a statistic too that I think 90% of people are unsatisfied in the work environment they're in. And so to... And- I hadn't heard that one. I mean, I've been really studying up on these stats and I, I read that 48% of non-executives, only 48% of non-executives trust their company. And, uh, and you got something like 51% are considering leaving their, their job in the next two years. So, you know, there are issues that are, that are really going on. And some companies now are saying that they want to address it, which I think is wonderful. And then even less companies are actually doing something to do the hard work, to create the safe space 
so that tough conversations, or as Brene Brown puts it in her book, Dare to Lead, rumbling, rumbling with vulnerability can happen. So we can roll up our sleeves, really get to the issues. We can feel the emotions, hear the emotions, have them be witnessed, work through it, and then get on with our job. You can either, as she says, you can either spend a small amount of time now hearing the feelings and sorting it out or spend an unreasonable amount of time later dealing with unproductive behavior. Yeah, short-term pain or or long-term pain, basically. And you've got the choice of either one of them. Yeah, short-term pain, long-term gain, or you can just stretch out the pain over years. You know, the people of the 70% that said they're avoiding a tough conversation, a third of those were silent for at least a month and a quarter of them were silent for at least a year on the thing. These things are persistent and they fester. And it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. And, and that's my mission is to reverse that so we can, we can talk more. Yeah, talk more and be more productive and sort of benefit everyone who's involved. And yeah, I- and love your job. Plus, you know, if I like working with you, I like working with my team, I'm more likely to support my team and to give them ideas and be happy when they succeed and we can thrive. I mean, imagine a basketball team where you've got issues with three people on the team and you don't trust them. That's terrible. It is. I love the sports analogy because you wouldn't have a sports team where you had people who are backstabbing each other or, um, yep. you know, tiptoeing around and, and not being a team player. But when you, you know, when you have that analogy and put it into a business context, it makes sense, you know, if you're going to yeah, win and the I, game. And I'm glad you, thanks for noticing that because I've never used that analogy before. It just, it just came to me. A good coach would never allow that. A good coach, if there's any issue between any of the team members, they're going to find a way to have them sorted out so that everybody's really thriving and the team result is is what matters. We all care about it. We're all invested. Now, I've worked in companies where, no, I haven't. I've worked in one company in my life and it was the only company I worked for. And I liked some of the people and some of the people I didn't like. And I wasn't taught how to bring up the tough conversations. I didn't know how to ask for what I wanted. I didn't know how to enroll someone in a possibility. I just did my work and hope that it that it worked out and I got by. But it doesn't have to be that way. I've spent 20 years now studying how to have these conversations skillfully, reduce the chance of a train wreck, increase the chance of a positive outcome. And I love doing it. I mean, I really think I could do this all day. It's just role play, tough conversations. And the way I role play it is we don't just practice it. If you've got an issue with your CEO, I'll be you and you be the CEO. And I'll show you how someone else might do it. I'll have the conversation and you give me as hard a time as you want. You can tell me I'm crazy. You can tell me I'm selfish. You can tell me I'm about to get fired. You say whatever you want and you get to see how someone else might handle it. And we record it as well so you can watch it over again. That's my methodology and I'm very excited about it. I love that methodology. I'm glad you clarified because in my head, I thought it was going to be the other way around. But it's it's quite ingenious because you get to say as a someone calling in, you get to play out the worst fear you have in your mind. And once you yes. can see it doesn't play out the way you think it will, then you sort of, you got nothing to stand on then. So I like that approach. Yeah. yeah. And my clients have no trouble doing the role play because if I say, all right, you're going to be your wife and you say whatever she'll say, they've got no problem accessing that. <laughs> I just did a, did a role play with a, an executive director and he's like trying to get his kid to prepare for college. And he's like, my kid won't do it. I said, all right, let's switch it. So I became him. He was his kid. 
And I said, Hey, can we schedule some time to, um, talk about what your essay might look like? If, if you're open to it, I want to contribute. You know, maybe we brainstorm and just come up with some ideas. And man, was he able to access his kid. He's like, yeah, dad. Yeah, we'll do that. But I just did two presentations. I just did a lot of research. I think that was really good. And I got to, uh, I got to go out with friends tonight and that's important. So I don't have time right now, but we'll do it later. Right? He was, he was using all the stonewalling tactics and I was not to be dissuaded. I said, great. I want you to do all that. How about we pick a time tomorrow? You just pick it. You know, we went right through it. And at the end, I said, what did you get? And he said, well, you really seemed open to me making my own decisions and you didn't seem attached to it. You seemed persistent, but you kept saying, if I'd find it valuable and you were really open to me making my own decisions. So now he can go to his kid and if he wants to, he can try having a conversation, but not shoving it down his throat. Like you have to do this. That was just one energetic perspective that he got from the conversation. It's hard to tell someone that, but they can witness it in somebody else. Yeah, and experience it themselves. And then once you've experienced it, then it's easy to communicate that experience or that feeling to somebody else because you've been in their shoes, essentially. Yeah, yeah, it's actually a transmission. Mm. It's a transmission. I'm transmitting something. I hate to speak about energy because I've always thought it's so hippie and woo-woo, but I'm transmitting a certain energy and I've got a, a way of being as I do the conversation. And so they get not just the content, but they get to see how they could be differently with someone like, hey, you know, enrolling his son. And um, sometimes they get five, like I get one client, she's writing down notes as I'm speaking. She's like, oh, that's good. All right, and try that. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. I could try that. And then off they go. And hey, it's not always perfect, but they try a few things. They at least bring it up. And um, if it doesn't go that well, maybe they get around two. Hey, can I have a do-over? I realized, you know, some things that I, I wish I'd said differently. Can I have a do-over? Go and do round two. It's it's not always the end the end of the conversation just because that first conversation didn't go well. No, not at all. You can always, and I, I guess most people would be open to, or at least you know if people would be open to having another conversation by asking for another conversation. That's right. Which is, and that could be a tough conversation. Mm. Like like, hey, can I re-? like like this one client just said to his boss. Uh, he pitched him on a proposal and the boss said, yeah, not yet. Let's do this other thing first. Well, he wants to revisit it because he's, he's, he doesn't want to take no for an answer. So we're just looking at how can you have that conversation to see if you can even get permission to revisit it and enroll him in it. Like, hey, I know you said that and you brought up some good ideas and I'm kind of tempted to try that. And there were a couple of arguments I didn't make. Can we revisit it? And I, and I, and I pitched it again. And if you still think no, then fine, right? There are ways to do it. Um, and we can get more and more skillful the more we practice. So if you think you're, you're terrible at it, great. Be terrible at it. You can even say to someone, I think I'm going to be terrible at this, right? I'm probably going to blow this, but can you just cut me some slack, give me some room to hang myself, get it all out, and then I'd love to hear what you've got to say. There are ways to do it so that people will get where you're coming from. And I mean, you can get related. Yeah, for sure. I, I love that ownership at the beginning. It's similar to how I had the conversation with mum a couple of months ago. It's just going to, I don't know how this is going to go and I take it as it is. I, I just need to get this off. And I've been thinking about it for a while and I just need to communicate it to you. I don't expect a response. I don't expect an answer. I just need to talk about it. Wow, man. I call that black belt. That's a black belt move right there. It did 
like, like I'm, we're, I'm training uh, prison inmates now, like CEOs and prison inmates and maybe some CEO prison inmates. I don't know, but we train them in setting context, like letting people know what's coming in a way that they can hear it. And that's what you did. You let your mother know that all the context, this is hard for me. I don't know how it's going to go. You didn't say it, but I heard that this is edgy for me. And um, let's just see what happens. Can you give me some space to get it out? Like that's a black belt move. Very few people do that. And it's something we can learn. We can actually learn to set context and it's a game changer. Yeah, because it gives people then, looking at it from the other perspective, it gives them a an understanding of where you're coming from. You're not just leading in with a, with a bull charge of, of feelings right. or, or words. I'm upset or you did this thing that, that upset me or whatever and then they get it defensive. No, setting this context, I mean, we're talking about it in terms of a tough conversation, but just in general as a leader, and we're all leaders, we all have to lead at least ourselves. As a leader, this is a, this is a black belt move to set context wherever you go so that people know what's happening. Like you call the airline, hey, I'm pretty sure that this is not in the policy that I can change this flight. And I get you've got a job to do, but I wanted to just check. This would make a big difference to my life. And I want to know, is there anything that you can do, right? Like setting context, not just coming in, ignoring their position, but much bigger topic, but I get excited about it. <laughs> and I love what you did with your mom. I want everyone to write down the exact words that Aiden used and you can use those words with, with anybody in your life where there's an edgy thing for you to bring up. I would imagine it, uh, your chances of it going well are much better if you can set context like that. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Yeah, it's a game changer. It really is. And I give you a couple of examples in the, in the worksheet and the blueprint of ways you could, if you want, you can borrow. If you don't want to borrow Aidens, you can borrow a couple of lines from me. Yeah, there are, there are other ways to, to set it up and, and phrases to say, but it's... um. Just the idea of doing it gives the other person space, you know, and you're not, you're not stepping on their toes and you're not causing a reactive reaction from the beginning, which can change the whole flow of the conversation. Yeah. David, a question I'd like to ask all guests and I'd like to get your perspective of it. What's your definition of the grind? Well, I've heard, I don't agree with what I've heard. I've heard people say that the grind is doing stuff that you don't really want to do to get to an outcome that you want. And I don't mind that definition, but I think there can be a grind in daily life. There can be a grind in your business, even when you're loving it. I mean, you know, sometimes I love doing these interviews. I've done 45 of these interviews this year. And sometimes like today I've had, I don't know, seven calls or eight calls uh, and some of them being interviews. So sometimes it feels like a grind and I generally love them. So sometimes I think the grind is what you do every day that feels a little bit uh, hard, whether you love it or not. That's the stuff that's, that's the grind. And I'm, I'm grinding. I'm grinding and I, I don't want to do anything else. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for your, sharing your perspective. It's a, I haven't heard, heard it put like that. Everyone's, everyone's got a different way of saying it, so I, I appreciate your, uh, your perspective of it. Where can, where can people find out more about you and download your worksheet? They can go to playforreal.life. So it's not a .com, it's playforreal, F-O-R, playforreal.life. You can download the, the blueprint and you can subscribe to my podcast. I have tough conversations with David Wood. Love to have you join us there. And if you have a team and you're interested in transforming how your team communicates and how they bond and thrive together, 
then you can click on and read about just-in-time tough conversations coaching for your team and set up a call with me to talk about trialing it for a month. I would love to hear from you. Wonderful. Yeah, it's um, get in contact with David Wood if that's something that you would find valuable. I mean, it's like we said before, 70% of businesses or 70% of people, you know, thinking about having a tough conversation, but can't. So we can't find the ways to do it. So if it's something you would be interested in, recommend getting in contact with David. David, thanks again for coming on the um, on the show. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, Aidan. Thanks so much for your questions. Thanks for listening to this episode of Stories Behind the Grind. Please share the podcast. And if you're not already subscribed, be sure to do that right now. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you could do me a quick favor and rate and review the podcast. This lets the platform know that I'm doing something right and people like the content. It'd be a huge help and I'd be really, really grateful if you could. Until next time.